always a pleasure and an opportunity to share the words of God with you, Pastor Aaron. Always appreciate you sharing the stage uh, on a Sunday. And I get to talk about love. And I love to talk about love. You know why? Because my wife calls me the love doctor. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I see your hot lips. Don't deny it. She's hiding back there. Where's my love doctors at? D-Bag, I see you, buddy. Van Ho, love doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Aaron. All right, let's just move on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> but uh, I, love, I love to talk about God's love. And I, I have the opportunity this morning to share with you about the real love doctor. Amen. The real love doctor. Because the bottom line is every single one of us in this room we need a love doctor. We need someone to come heal our brokenness. We need someone to come and fix our mistakes. And that's who I get to tell you about today, the real love doctor. And so we're going to jump in. Um, in the scriptures, there's no one that I can think of who needed to know or needed to experience the love of God more than a guy named Peter. And I love Peter. Peter's one of my favorite Bible characters because I see so much of myself in Peter. Peter was bold. He was brash. He was a risk taker. He was willing to say the things that no one else wanted to say. He was willing to do the things that no one else was willing to do. Peter was one of my heroes. I love learning about Peter. And in Matthew chapter 16, um, we come to... Uh, a passage that I think gives us a great picture of the life of Peter and who he was. And it's not on the screen, so you guys just, just listen and bear with me. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And some of the disciples said, well, uh, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, and still some say you're one of the prophets like Jeremiah. And so Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, well, who do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the one who stepped up. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because no person taught you that. My Father in heaven showed you who I am. So I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the power of death will not be able to defeat it. Peter's a hero, right? He's a hero. He's the one who declared, Jesus, you are the Son of God. There is no one else besides you. This was Peter. And then it's funny because a few verses later in the same chapter, Jesus begins to tell his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going to have to die. The leading priests and the elders and the Jewish leaders are going to kill me. And then Peter, the same Peter who declared that Jesus was the Christ, the same Peter, comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, do not speak like that. God save you from those things. Lord, those things will never, ever happen to you think about that we're talking about Peter a mere human 
coming to the one whom he just declared was the son of God, saying, Lord, don't speak like that. Those things will never happen to you. Basically rebuking Jesus and what he was saying and teaching his followers. And then Jesus comes to Peter. He says, go away from me, Satan. You are not helping me. You don't care about the things of God, but only about the things that people think are important. So Peter goes from hero to zero. How many of you can relate? Can you relate? One day, you got it all together. You're following the Lord. You feel like you're, you're following the Lord's leading. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You're obedient. You're fearless. You're stepping out of the boat. And then the next day is the complete opposite. And it's this up and down, and, and such is life. And such was the life of Peter. This is why I love him. He was a man's man. He was a hard worker. He was a fisherman. We know that uh, in that day, being a fisherman, it was a very demanding, physically, physically demanding job, okay? Very blue-collar job. And we're not talking reels and rods here. We're talking boats and nets, all right? If Peter... Uh, uh, if ACDC and, and Led Zeppelin. Oh, man, isn't that awesome? Did I get you going? I got that approved, by the way. All right. I'm trying to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> but the, if, they were back, if they were alive back then, Peter probably would have been listening to these guys, all right? Your basic modern-day construction worker is a guy like Peter, okay? And this is why I love him. Peter was a risk taker. Out of 12 disciples, he was the one willing to step out of the boat. He was the one willing to say, okay, Jesus, if that's you, if it's really you, you call me out of this boat. And to my knowledge, he's the only other human being on this planet other than Christ to have walked on water. Why? Because he took a risk. He dared to do something that everyone else was scared to do. Peter was passionate. He was bold, willing to do anything for God. In the book of John, he says, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. John chapter 13. Jesus answered, are you ready to die for me? Really? Because I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you don't know me. And you guys know the story. This same Peter, who's a risk taker, bold passionate, energetic, fiery. Lord, I'm ready to die for you. Where are you going? I will follow you to death. This same Peter we know denied that he even knew Jesus Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times. Three times. We're talking about Jesus Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He got to be with Jesus 
on the Mount of Transfiguration, when, when the flesh of Jesus was pulled back and Jesus' divinity was shown forth, Peter was one of the three that was there with Jesus in that holy, sacred moment. He was with him when Jesus rose Lazarus up from the dead, dead after being dead four days. Fed over 5,000 people with a couple of fish and some loaves. Healing after healing, miracle after miracle, Peter was with Jesus through it all. And then to deny that he even knew him. Three times. Luke chapter 22. After Peter denied the Lord the third time, the Bible says this in verse 60. At once, while Peter was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Wow. Can you picture that for a moment? Peter, after three years of walking with the Lord, denies him. And on that third time, Jesus turns and looks Peter in the eye. Can you imagine the pain, the anguish at that moment when he catches the eyes of his Savior? When he catches the eyes of his Lord, the one whom he declared was the Son of God, the Messiah. When he caught his eyes after that third denial. Can you imagine, church, what kind of pain welt up inside of him? Peter remembered what the Lord had said. Before the rooster crows this day, you will say three times, that you don't know me. Then Peter went outside and cried painfully. Wow. How would you deal with something like that? Emotionally, mentally, I mean really, having known that you've just denied the closest companion you've ever had. You said you didn't believe in him. At once you were so bold, so passionate. I will die for you, Lord. And then the pressure came. And Peter cowered. He cowered. He was afraid. He was scared. And how many of you can relate? I know you can. Because I can. Because the truth is, there's not a single person in this room who hasn't denied their Savior at one point or another in their life. We can all relate to this man, Peter. Every time God tells us to go introduce ourselves to our new neighbor, right? Bake them some cookies, bring them something. Every time the Holy Spirit encourages us to invite a coworker to church or to take someone out to lunch and just, just love on them, and we say, oh, God, I, I just don't know what they're going to think. What if they think I'm weird? What if they think I'm religious? Or every time when we deny the Spirit speaking to us, essentially we deny our Savior. When we live a life a lifestyle, a pattern of sin, 
and rebellion. Essentially, what we say is, Jesus, I deny you. I deny you. And so we come to our text today in John 21, last chapter of John. Jesus has died, rose from the grave, and he's visiting with his disciples on the beach. And he says this in verse 15. He says, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There's questions as to what the these was that Jesus was referring to. Was he referring to the boat and the nets and Peter's old lifestyle? Was he referring to the other disciples that was around? But either way, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And, and Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. He was hurt that Jesus would ask him three times, do you love me? And can you imagine the hurt that Jesus felt when his closest disciple denied him that third time? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep. This is what I love about the love of God. This is what, this is why I'm up here, church. I would not be here if it weren't for the love of God in my life. I would not be preaching this truth. I would not be on this stage with a microphone if it weren't for the love of Almighty God. I know I wouldn't be married to that girl. And I know I wouldn't have two beautiful babies. I'd probably have about six with three different women. I'm just being honest. Because I know me. I know my tendencies. I know my weaknesses. Listen, if it weren't for the love of God, I don't know where I would be. I mean, really, think about it. Where would you be if the love of God hadn't penetrated your heart, broken through the walls, and changed the course of your life? Where would you be? I would be lost, headed toward a pathway of destruction, hurting everyone around me, including myself. Where would I be without God's love? Praise God for his love. I love the love of God, and I love to teach about it because it's the reason that I'm up here with this microphone is the love of God has changed the course of my life. And let me tell you about God's love. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Jesus could have came to Peter and he could have said, hey, Peter, do you remember when I told you 
you are going to deny me, and you denied me. He could have put it in Peter's face. He had every right to. He could have done that, but that's not our God. That's not how our God operates. First John tells us that God is love. That's who he is. He can't change who he is. He can't change who he is. Thank you. I appreciate that. God is love. And he doesn't change. And so he came to Peter with three simple questions. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Essentially affirming Peter. And we know the end of the story. We know what happened to Peter's life after that. If there's any man in this Bible who needed to experience Jesus, the love, the grace, the kindness, the forgiveness. If there's any man in this Bible, it was Peter who needed a touch from Jesus to know, even though you denied me, that's okay. Do you still love me, Peter? Do you still love me? Then go love my people. Go love my people. I haven't given up on you. I will never give up on you. My love for you has not stopped. And you guys know, you understand this love. You understand it. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a godparent, if you're an aunt or an uncle, you understand the love of God. This unconditional, never stopping, never changing love. You understand this love. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old, Easton and Kipton. Easton is wild like his mama. Crazy. Wild as a buck. I mean, Kipton's laid back like his dad. Doesn't get too emotional. Doesn't get fiery. But anyhow, one of my greatest fears for my kids is that one day they will grow up and they will deny the faith that their parents held on to. That Easton and Kipton will grow up and deny Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's one of my biggest fears, church. Almost every night when I put them to bed, this is my prayer. God, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, please give them a knowledge of you at a young age. God, please save their lives. That's one of my, one of my biggest fears. That's what I pray over them almost every night. God, save my kids. Zoe and I are extremely competitive. Division one college athlete, intramural softball champion. Coach Tate knows, doing CrossFit, I'm competitive. I hate to lose. I hate it. I would love for my kids to be competitive. I would love for them to play sports because I would be that parent climbing the fence, all right? I would be the parent out on the court going nuts over my sons. That, that would be me. I would love for them to play sports. But they can be as unathletic and uncoordinated as Steve Urkel. But as long as they love Jesus, I'm good. I'm fine. Amen? Listen, they can get their daddy's looks and be as ugly as two sheep in a barbershop. But as long as they love God, 
as long as they're serving him. As long as they've given their lives to serve Jesus, I'm good. Amen? I'm good. I don't need them to be uh, Harvard graduates or doctors or lawyers or whatever. That stuff's great. But as long, listen, as long as they love Jesus, I'm good. And as parents and as grandparents and anyone in here who's involved with children, that must be our greatest desire. If you follow Jesus, that must be our greatest desire for your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, etc. Our greatest desire must be that they love and follow Jesus. And we can't force them. We can't make them. But by God's grace, we can do everything we can do to show them the way. And we have to be careful because we can spend a lot of money and we can spend a lot of time and we can spend a lot of energy on sports, on music, on art, on education. And these things, all of these things are great. But if we're not careful, we forget the most important reason why we are here and why we are parents and why we are grandparents, etc. And that's to know Jesus and to share his love with our kids. We can't forget that, church. We cannot forget that. That must be our top priority for our children. We can't force them. But are we doing everything we can do to show them the way of the cross? But if my kids grow up one day, and God forbid, they deny the faith that their mom and I hung on to, and they put a hand in Jesus' face and say, not for me. Do you think I'll stop loving them? <laughs> Do you think I'll stop pursuing them? Do you think I'll just give up on my sons? My sons. The two children that God has given me. Do you think I'm, I'm just going to cut them off? No, I can't. I can't do it. And you understand that. If you have children or you, you're connected in some way with a child, you understand this type of love. No matter what decisions they make in the course of their life, it may hurt you. It may break your heart. But will you stop loving them? Never. Never. And that's our God. Amen. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I read the scriptures, that's the God of this Bible right here. When God makes a covenant with his people, let me tell you something. When God makes a covenant with his people, he never, ever, ever goes back on his word. Ever. Look at Israel. When God established his covenant with Abraham, has he ever stopped loving them? Though time and time again, they've rebelled, they've worshipped other gods, they've ran, again, they've ran from God, far from God. Has he ever given up on them? No. Will he ever? No. And it's the same with you and I through the covenant of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. God will never, ever give up on you. Can I just tell you that this morning? His love will never, ever give up on you. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. If you guys are looking for a Christmas present for children, this Jesus Storybook Bible, I highly recommend. 
I try to read this every night to my kids. Like I said, Easton's really wild like his mom. So he has a hard time sitting and listening. But Kipton, I'll just throw him in the crib and he'll just, you know, suck on a bottle and I'll just read a few stories to him. And uh, personally, I've learned a lot uh, from this book, which doesn't surprise you. Uh, I'm sure... But it is a phenomenal uh, book in the way it's written for children. And it's just a storyline from creation uh, to the end of Jesus' life. And what I love about it is how it relates each story back to Jesus. Whether it be Jonah or Elijah or Moses or Noah's Ark, it re- relates every story back to Jesus. And, and I love that uh, about this, this storybook Bible. And I just want to read a couple of paragraphs to you. This morning, it says this. This is after Adam and Eve um, sinned against God, and God provided clothes for them. He sacrificed for them. Uh, But as part of their punishment, he had to remove them from the Garden of Eden. And And it says this. It says, you see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And though they would forget him and run from him, deep in their hearts, God's children would miss him always and long for him, like lost children yearning for their home. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve. It will not always be so. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to battle against the snake. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness you let in here. I'm coming back for you. And he would. One day, God himself would come. Amen. God willing, in about five days, we get to celebrate the coming of our Savior. Whose love never stops, never gives up, never changes, is unbreaking, always and forever goes on and on and on and on. That church is the love of our God. So I don't care where you are right now in your situation, in your relationship with God, this is the message God wants you to hear today. I'm not done with you period. I'm not done with you. My love will never run out for you. You may be running from me. You may be denying me, but I will never run out. My love will never run out for you. And so we're going to have a time of invitation. It's going to be an opportunity for you to take communion with your loved ones, your family, your friends. We're going to have some prayer partners in the back who will be available to pray for you and with you. I personally will be over here. I would love to talk to you if you say, hey, Pastor Matt, this sermon, God was speaking to me, and you need to talk. I will be available. I'll be standing over here to my left. I would love to talk to you, pray with you, whatever you need. But at at this time, just open your heart up.
Open your heart up. Where are you right now in relationship to God? Are you running? Are you found? Are you living for Jesus? Are you confused? Where are you at? Whatever it is, I encourage you. Take that step like Peter's took. Step out of that boat this morning and make a step toward life change.